0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Recognizing
1: this operating system is so powerful, it runs 24-7. Yeah, The subconscious runs 95-97% of our lives, 24-7. The conscious can program it, but it gets overrun. You can't have a thought against the subconscious. If you're not in alignment with the two, it'll wait and it'll run you over. So you've got to get in alignment with changing and recognizing the pattern and then going about slowly untangling from that pattern.
0: Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to have a conversation with Simon Harris from the Freedom Project 222. In this episode, in this conversation, we're going to talk about how to leverage the power of emotions to break the patterns of your life and get out of your rut. That's right, because essentially, when we come across a new situation and we get new information, did you know that you fill in the blanks with all your memories, and your past experiences. And sometimes that helps you because it's helped this species for thousands of years. Sometimes though, it gives you the wrong picture and you wind up getting caught in that rut. So we're going to talk about how do you recognize when your patterns are not helping you out and when you can change the trajectory of your decisions to make a new life, a new path and live that life of meaning. So sit back and relax and just unless you're thinking about throwing your coffee in somebody's face, uh, I just got to tell you, that's that's considered violence and you probably shouldn't do it unless you absolutely have to like, you know, bank robbery or something. I don't know. Why would you have coffee during a bank robbery? But who knows? Uh, I had too much coffee. That's the point. Uh, But here we go. All right. Hey, Simon, thanks for calling over here. Well, you're calling from England. I'm here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's, what, 3 p.m. over there, 9 a.m. over here. I'm just sharing that with the folks in America who don't understand time zones. Uh, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm really good, Jerry. It's uh, great to be with you. We um, we don't have time zone here in England. We just have the one.
0: So. The one. <laughs> well wow. Yeah, we got four. Well, We're not big enough. <laughs> we don't count Hawaii or Alaska, so we have four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You guys count too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't don't unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> um, now we connected through Scott Sunderland, um, and, and if I got his last name wrong, we'll we'll start with Scott and then I'll fix it in the show notes. But uh, you're you're both part of the Freedom Project two 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 dot com site and platform. Uh, mm-hmm. We're trying to get M on here as well to talk about the 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 uh, the breathing uh, Breath technique. Water, that's, yeah. Yes. Um, so we'll get her on eventually. <laughs> too, too. she's, she's <laughs> phenomenal
1: she's, she's astonishing what she's doing with that breath right now
0: yeah i think scott spent a good chunk of our conversation together really just plugging and praising M. I um mm-hmm. i mean he might have a specific bias that <laughs> come out in the episode but uh for all good reason uh but yeah. he, you know he also mentioned we had to have you on the show and and uh he insisted i look at your bio and i did and i was like mm-hmm. this is a very powerful story and a very uh very important um Life transition and life journey that I think people need to hear about. And then the work that you are all doing with Freedom Project 222 um, mm-hmm. are also really great. Um, so, you're, I wouldn't say your story starts here, but, um, you. It sounds like you made a living or still make a living as a futures trader. Uh, and so for folks who don't know what that is, it, it involves the stock market, guys. Um, but then you also did some uh, semi-pro racing. And cool. um, yeah, I think you summed it up in your own bio as uh, you were addicted to ad- adrenaline, that, that rush that comes from both trading and uh, from racing. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that life and uh, just the excitement you got from doing that.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jerry. So, um, so let's stay with the with the uh, the futures trading.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I always just reference the film Trading Places because it's just you know all of us traders loved it. That's that's what I did. You know, I was. Um,
0: Is that what inspired you to get into it? No, fun, oh, okay. that film was
1: made about six months after I started on the floor. When oh, I, I started when I was eighteen. I was one of the youngest traders down there in London. It was a brand new thing. We were, you know, we were known as the hooligans of the city. We didn't wear, <laughs> you know, you go back to London, on the original stock exchange, they used to wear top hats. You know, it was oh. very, very formal. Yeah. This was colored jackets screaming and shouting. You know, we started at 8.30 in the morning. They generally started at 10 o'clock and they stopped for a long lunch and finished at 3 o'clock. I mean, it was very civilized, you know. <laughs> this, was, this was more manic and um, I didn't want to do it. I was on the stock exchange and I was told by my partners in the firm that, hey, we want you to go across the futures market. And I said, no, thanks. And They said, no, no, we, we want you to go. So there I was, walked into this maelstrom of noise and color and everything. And, all, and it's like, well, a week later, I was absolutely hooked. I mean, it was just extraordinary that this was so efficient, watching people communicate at high speed with hands, with eye contact, body language, you know, orders coming from the phones, from the booths, But essentially, you were in this closed box environment, no windows. Everybody had access to the same information. There was nothing new coming in. And yet everybody was making different decisions, different assumptions, outcomes, choices. And that just absolutely fascinated me. And, um, yeah, I became one of the youngest traders. I then um, had a bit of a uh, disagreement with the firm I worked for. They asked me to leave. And I then set up my own company with my then soon-to-become brother-in-law. And we became one of the most successful uh, companies down there. Um, trading in the equity index footsie pit. And it was just a hell of a lot of fun. You know, you're, you're 20 years old, the money, which was a byproduct, by the way. The money wasn't why I did it. It was a byproduct of, of reading the signals right, of reading the patterns right. Um, and there was just a real satisfaction in it's going up, it's going down. It would kick it, go either way at high speed when to get out of the way, when to admit you're wrong. You know, one of the biggest things for humans is putting your hands up when you know you've got it wrong. And when I was on very good form, I was known as one of the you know the better ones for going right. I've got it wrong. Close it out and look at it again. Yeah, uh,
0: I love the. Con- I think
1: that really comes through to life as well. You know, so all of that as I look back now. You know, when you could admit you're wrong and you can reset and start again, you've got a chance. If you dig in and you refuse to admit it, it's out of your control because you have a bias that you can no longer see any information other than what you want to see. Yeah.
0: Uh, So a couple of things there, a a quick remark on just the diversity of thought. You you, You mentioned earlier, all these folks in the same room have the same information, but they're making completely different decisions off of that. And that's something for all of us to always keep in mind, is that we're all given the same amount of information, the same quality of information, well, sometimes we're not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah it's, you know, Just look at the news. Some folks stick to buy. Bi- well, a lot of us stick to a biased channel of some kind. And um, but if you take a step back and look at a variety of news, we all, we now have a um, a lot of the same information available. And then from there, how do we interpret it and make those decisions? Uh, but then you you also go on to you know what you just talked about that you know there are going to be mistakes and there are going to be those opportunities to learn a lesson. And so when those mistakes do come, you know, did you turn it into an opportunity to learn from it and and make an adjustment or did you double down on the mistake and say, no, this is my principle. It must be this or nothing. And um, so how did that impact you in other areas of your life to, to be able to learn, to learn from those mistakes? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool, it's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms go to beyondtherut.com slash cap show that's c-a-p-s-h-o and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself now back to the show
1: yeah i mean all of that and more i I actually wrote a little um a little handbook uh training at the speed of uh, the speed of light which is effectively how quick we think i mean it's so quick And all of these patterns that I noticed in myself, and there was a myriad of them from the, you know, I'm fully flexible. I'm really in tune with just the vibration of the market that suits me and I'm riding the flow. I'm totally anti it. I've got a very fixed view. I'm only looking for things to, to make me right. I've got this right. All my flexibility goes. That was when the biggest losses happened. And yes, double down pushing the red button i know i'm doing it wrong i'm going to do it anyway i don't give a damn you just keep hammering that button and then the bell goes at the end of the day and you suddenly go oh my god what have i done but in those previous moments i could not help myself so just noticing all these patterns and they were all had one thing in common only it was me <laughs> and I, but i didn't know that at the time it wasn't until later that i realized that i had this a uh, really uh, instinctive hold of numbers i could remember trades i'd done for days weeks months you know not very useful but it it showed i had a very distinct pattern recognition inside of me which which is what we all are incredible pattern recognition machines and knowing how to use that for my best effect or, or my worst effect and when you are flexible it, it, it flows just like life when you're flexible and you're just you've got open focus life flows past you as soon as you narrow that channel down you are restricting all the outcomes. You're you're making it pro- very probable it will not go the way you want it to because you're not allowing life to flow. And it took me a long time to realize that's what I was doing on the floor. Um, you know, I've still traded a bit. I've got a current position at the moment where I'm digging my – yeah, even 40 years later, I'm still making the same mistakes. You're, we're still going to make them. It's then recognizing what you're going to do about it are you in it are you in for the ride is it a long term short term you know the only time you can make a a really sort of agnostic choice is before you place the trade once you've placed it you are hooked in you are emotionally invested in the market in being right in not being wrong as you said you look for the news channels that will give you the news that backs up your view you won't hear someone else's view you're you're, you're a passenger you're not that you're not the driver and sometimes that's okay if you've given it a lot of bandwidth as in life but when you absolutely are fixated and only looking at one outcome you you really are you're you're in a whole heap of pain really because it's an expectation and expectation is is premeditated resentment is a phrase i was given i love it and really once you've got that premeditated resentment in your system that's all you're going to get even if you're right it won't be enough wow so and again it was just Noticing how we all dig in and that all of these people came from very different backgrounds, educations, all sorts of stuff, all hearing, seeing the same noise and all having our inner buttons and patterns pushed, which then made us react, you know, was I reacting to the other person? Was it FOMO, fear of missing out, greed, or just total paralysis, you know, or you, some of the guys, they would absolutely wait till the right moment when every single indicator had lined up to make it be a pain-free trade which of course is when all the good traders are getting out because there has to be risk in trading. You cannot dial risk out of life or trading. So you have to accept the element of risk and build it into your model, how you trade, and then work around it. But if you try and dial risk out, you you can't trade. Yeah, You can't live because there is no risk-free element to anything we do as humans.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that in the few books I've read about uh, trading on the stock market, the ones who were very successful at it, They they leave room for humility in the sense of I could be wrong about this trade. I need to protect that money. That's that's the absolute is protect that money as a whole, the capital. So I could be very wrong about this trade. So what is the other trade I make or the arrangement I make to protect the asset, not my pride? And that time and again surprises me. And hearing you say it as well, it's like there's a principle in this, like. You know, what matters most, that's the thing to protect with absolution or absolute uh, approach. Our decisions could be right. They could be wrong. And like you said, if, if we narrow down our focus, we create this right, wrong, win, lose scenario. And if you are open to that flow, you're also now open to options C, D, E, F, you know, the rest of the letters in the alphabet. <laughs>
1: and, and beyond, and it, and it, it does, it, it comes back to ego. Yeah. When I was trading my best, I had no ego. And I, I really mean that. It was just, I was in the flow, feeling vibrations, just making decisions to buy or sell. I didn't even view it as right or wrong. And I, and I actually will touch on those words because they themselves carry energy right or wrong. You know, we're taught not to be either of those. And actually it's not, you know, I could buy here and sell here and make money. You could buy it off me here and you could make even more money. You know, the journey is endless on these things. It's, it's how you protect not just your capital, but your mental capital. And to me, protecting mental capital for trading was way, way, way higher than protecting actual monetary capital. You had to look after yourself way more. The money would look after itself if you had the right disciplines and rule set that suited you individually you as a trader jerry would be a very different trader to me that's what makes the market work uh i might watch you and go hey jerry's doing well today i'm going to notice what he's doing i might adjust around that but ultimately my trading has to be mine only because if i trade the way you are i don't know your inner workings as to why you are buying or selling which is why you know when people ring up and say hey site, so, you know should i buy or sell and i say listen the moment you pick that phone up to call somebody you're sort of screwed because what are they going to do? They're either going to agree with you. Does that help you? They're going to disagree with you. You might not want to hear it. You you know, you're, as soon as you have that doubt, you have to go, as soon as I've got to close the trade or you have one advisor you call, whose opinion you absolutely um, want to hear, and you will react pretty much off what he says because you'll have that one person who is not attached to your trade, to your pattern in life, to whatever you're doing, who's the observer who hasn't got your emotional attachment, he can see it a bit differently and he can point that out to you. And and that's what coaches and guides and, you know, parents and other, it's the emotional attachment that will always undo you in trading or racing or or pretty much life in general.
0: Yeah. That, that is a powerful thing about coaching. I'm glad we're like leaning towards that now because that, that coach, especially a really good one is one who they really don't care about your specific decision. They, they do care about your success, your well-being in that respect, but they don't care if you go for option A or option B uh, or C or D. Uh, they just care about, have you really weighed all your options? Have you explored everything that you could possibly do? Um, are you taking that first step that really does make that impact? Um, They're that objective outside perspective because, I mean, as we've been talking so far, we can get into our own heads and, and we can say, no, this is the way it must be. And if we're humble enough, you know, we can have an outside source that we trust kind of give us that perspective that can help us get out of our own heads and say, wait, yeah, if I saw somebody else doing this, I would think it's not the choice that this person should or should not make. So why am I doing it? <laughs> you, know, and, yeah. and, you know, if I were to, yeah, basically, if I were to coach me or run into me at, at knowing everything about me, that that would be a thing to go for or that would not be the thing to go for. Uh, so yeah. that's really cool. Now, um yeah.
1: I think those words, Jerry, just that this is the way it has to be.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's expectation. Again, it's premeditated resentment. You are shutting down every avenue and you're doing it because we don't want to feel pain. Okay. Humans try to avoid pain and suffering. So if we know the outcome, we think we then keep everything else away. And if we know that, we're holding away all these, the imagination of what might be. But by doing that, we're restricting it and we're not allowing anything to flow. And that is all based on our childhood patterns. It's got nothing to do with Jerry or Simon now. It starts zero to three years old, zero to eight years old. That is your computer operating system that you have for your life and we never get to check in with it.
0: Yeah. And how reprogrammable is that though? Like I know if we're not aware of it, we're we're pretty much, it's just like if you're not, tuned in with what has happened in history, you're doomed to yeah. repeat it. This is yeah. essentially what we're talking about in your own life. Yeah. If yeah. you're not in tune with the history of your life, especially the first three years, uh, even yeah. up to five years, I believe, according to some research. But yeah, um, yeah you're you're doomed to stay in that pattern. Uh, how, how do you recognize those patterns? And uh, then how do you make that decision to s- step away? Uh, I think you... I know, I know from your bio what you did, but yeah, yeah I'd like to yeah. hear it from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I, mean, <laughs> I, I found it in different ways, and you're all going to find it in different ways at different times. And my belief is, my current strong belief, and I use the word belief because that's what we operate on. We all operate on beliefs, and therefore we have thoughts, emotions, actions that reinforce our beliefs. So, so we keep doing the Groundhog Day. We have a belief that's installed in us from childhood, And we then will look for information and stuff out in the outer world that will just reinforce that. So you don't even have the awareness, you have a belief. It just feel, and of course the belief gives you the chemical feelings, which we get used to. We use the term addicted and we we mean addicted in the terms of it's so familiar, if it wasn't there, you would miss it. You would miss that feeling in the morning. Therefore, you will go and try and find something to recreate that feeling. You know, Scott talks about We create the event to create the feeling. It's not the other way around. We want the feeling is already coming up. Again, it goes back to the market. Look at all of those people in the same room, same information, all having different experiences, different feelings, off the same information. How can that be possible? We should all be having exactly the same thing off the same information, and we're not. So that goes back to our operating system from childhood. We've all got different patterns, environments we grew up in. No judgment or blame, although I, I did come from a very finger-pointing family we love to play <laughs> because it's so much nicer making it someone else's fault, yeah? It's um, easier. <laughs> so, so how do we find them? You find them in various ways when you trip over them, when suddenly someone points it out to you or suddenly it becomes very obvious that your life is not. You're in the rut. Let's use your term. You're in a rut and suddenly you go, this rut's not working for me. I am not fulfilled. I am suddenly, you know, I'm doing things that don't that aren't good for me. They're not good for the people around me. What the hell's going on? You go and see various people as, as I did, and I was looking for confirmation it was other people's fault. You know, if they just, if they changed, I would feel better, is how we like to do it. If I could change the way he's behaving, she's behaving, the way society is, I'm going to feel great. Now, that's wonderful if it worked, but if it did work, that means everybody would be permanently changing everybody else and society to make them feel better. It, it's unsustainable, clearly. So there's only one option. You have to change you which means accepting that you want to do that. That's the big first step that, you know, I am prepared to change. And that takes various goes at doing it because it's it, it's challenging. And you get to see yourself in the mirror a lot. And sometimes you don't like that. You don't want to see it. There are days still, I get it, I don't want to see it when a big pattern's coming up. It's like, wow. And it's because I've had it for so damn long. It feels so real. It's real chemically in my body, but it's not real in terms of reality because. I could text take a step to one side have a different thought and I've got a completely different experience and different feelings going through me. It's just they're so familiar we drop into them automatically. You know like putting on an old pair of shoes you just don't even know you're putting them on. So recognizing this operating system is so powerful. It runs 24/7. Yeah. The subconscious runs 95 97% of our lives 24/7. The conscious can program it, but it gets overrun. You can't have a thought against the subconscious. If you're not in alignment with the two, it'll wait and it'll run you over. So you've got to get in alignment with changing and recognizing the pattern and then going about slowly, untangling from that pattern. And you have to go back to the source. And the source with the work I do, and why I love freedom activation, because it, it's simple, but so powerful, and it has results, and I'm in control of it. Yes, I need a guide to help me, but, but I get to do the words. No one's giving me words to say. I say and change everything myself. I get to recognize the patterns and the behaviors and the people around me that trigger me, which will normally be parents, then siblings, elderly relatives, school, society, religion. You know, all of that will come into play. But predominantly, zero to three years old, who are the people who are going to form your fishbowl? It's your parents, your carers, step-parents, whatever, the people that bring you up. You naturally, as a child, because you cannot think properly till the age of eight, we do not have the hardware, the neocortex isn't formed. So we operate through our senses, touch, sight, smell, hearing, all of that. And it's on, it's on 100% the whole time while we absorb this world to create our virtual reality of what I world and how we operate in it. So you're watching your parents' body language. You can't understand what they're saying but you can see the vibration. You can see what they're doing, what they're not doing, their body language. We're, we're watching all of that minutely because that's how we're going to survive. We need to know this stuff. And of course, if you're in their world, it makes sense to adopt their patterns. But here's the thing. They're their patterns, not your patterns. You have taken their patterns on. You didn't consciously choose them, but they have gone in without thinking because we, we can't filter, and they've become a chemical feeling. And that feeling we just get to feel for the rest of our lives, and we look for that pattern twenty four seven, scanning through our subconscious for anything that looks remotely like it will trigger a pattern.
0: Yeah. So that that age old joke that we eventually become our parents has some serious truth to it, not just a joke. Like, look, you are laughing like your dad and becoming like your dad. No, no,
1: I mean you know, I, these are I, patterns. I yeah. yeah, no, I I wanted to be like my dad. He was my hero. No blame or judgment, but. Everyone goes. You are your dad, and I literally took on his patterns. I absorbed what he was saying. I thought it was the truth. I operated like him, you know. And I now know where he came from. So his patterns came from his father. So straight away, you're just a giant echo chamber repeating it without really understanding what you're doing. And though, you know, I've done a lot of work around that, and it is around the parents and just going, look, wow, you know. Rather than I did a lot of blame, a lot of stuff happened to me, and you know, it was my parents' fault. And gradually, that, I turn the radio, I talk about radio stations, change the frequency, dial it down from fault to does it matter, whatever. There was nothing they could do, it's just life, and I get to choose the meaning I want to put around those beliefs and feelings and emotions. We're always going to have emotions, but you can change the feelings. Um, emotions aren't bad, it's, well, we're humans, we're supposed to have them. So the point being, you have to have that awareness of what is triggering you, and then how far back down the line does that go? It's a lot. It's a non-linear process, as you know. With all of this work, you trip over it when you trip over it, um, and, and all of that work with freedom activation, and you know, we'll touch on it because it's, it's. I found it through lots of work on my own, through lots of inner work. You know, stuff came up that when I was thirty doing hypnotherapy, that I had totally and utterly blanked out six years of my life when when abuse was happening. I had no idea it had happened at all. So then, so the body protects us. It's a very clever system until you're ready to deal with it. And then it's unpacking that. How am I going to let that define me for the rest of my life? Am I going to let it define me? And here's the thing. Our old system is pretty much written in stone, the original computer that we spoke about. Freedom activation, all the work, breath work, all the other modalities. It's malleable, neuroplasticity. You can rewire the neural pathways. You can break the synaptic connection using Havening. Incredibly simple tools that allow you access To release the chemicals that literally hold those memories in place, those emotions in place, those feelings in place. So you can you can see the event with no emotional charge or a very low emotional charge. And that allows you to show up very differently in life with wisdom. You can then judge an experience from a distance rather than being sucked into it. Yeah? Yeah. And that's like we spoke about
0: that's very important. I I used to do some work at a battered women's shelter and you know, one of the things I learned about traumatic memories is that, I mean, well, any memory for that matter is if you can attach an emotion to it, it's even stronger. And that's why like with goal setting, what do you feel when you achieve this goal? What do you feel now by not achieving this goal? And it's because those emotional ties are powerful. And I mean, even when I was in the military, a lot of our training was tied to you know, people yelling at you because they're recreating the feelings of stress. Because when are you going to need to know this stuff when you're under that kind of stress? Um, and sometimes those emotions become so powerful, though, that the emotions themselves override the facts and override the details and uh, the objectivity to, th- to really think through. Because now you're almost being overwhelmed by that emotion. So I could see where a technique like that, where you can recall the memory and be able to detach from the emotion, is powerful. Um now yeah. no, just to
1: pick you up on that, Joan, here's yeah. the thing. And this is where we have to be very for me very quite particular. <laughs> M hates me for being particular with words, but but words are very powerful. It's how we communicate. This is not a memory test, okay? Because our yeah. memory, and this is Dr. Joe talks about this, as do others, Bruce Lipton, etc. But our memory is only fifty percent correct, which means it's fifty percent incorrect. Now that's a massive number. We then use that, we manipulate our memory to reinforce our belief. We can add stuff into our memory to make sure our belief is true for us. So we're not even dealing with reality anymore. It's literally almost made up. The thing that is absolutely true is the feeling. Because the feeling you felt, the memory you don't you don't know what happened. You know there is an event or a circumstance, the story, and we have big hairy stories from people, yeah. I'm not saying stuff doesn't happen, but but you can deal with those, but it's the feelings that are stored literally cellularly in the body. It's like your hard drive. It remembers everything. The body keeps the score, Bessel van the cold. So all of that, you have to accept. You have kept these feelings stored in the body. You need the cells to release those feelings. You have to re-feel it on the way out. We have suppressed it thinking if we suppress it, we won't experience it. No, it is still in there whizzing around at whatever speed it whizzes around at, doing damage, dis-ease. You are not at ease when you've got these feelings in you. We think we, you're using energy that is life force energy to hold these down rather than experiencing it and releasing it. And that's a big deal to go. I'm going to relive that feeling to let go of it. And it's what I do with this work. And you watch people do it. And it might not be once. It might be several times. But, but your choice is you hold on to it, in which case you've got it anyway. So, again, you see the way the ego wants to stop us feeling that pain by keeping us safe because it doesn't know any different. Its job is to stop you changing because it knows certainty. And what we're saying is you've got to take one step through that certainty. And again, like the futures market, knowing that there are many other options because you can see it with your own eyes. But we just go to the darkest one and go straight away, wow, I'm not going to change because this is what's going to happen. But you're using your imagination. You don't know that's going to happen. You're still imagining, you're using thoughts. So again, you've got to retrain yourself to go, wait a minute, we call it the pause, I call it the pause. Just lean back, give yourself a second to go, Is that really true or am I just thinking that? And does it really matter? It's the question we use in the statements we do. Does it really matter? And if it does, that's fine. But why? Why does it matter? Is it that person or is that person reminding you of someone in your, when your program was first written? And sure as eggs is eggs, you know, a lot of it with the women and it's beautiful working with the women because you see, I was talking to someone yesterday, literally when they're doing these really big releases, they can, lose 10 to 15 years off their faces. I kid you not, you just watch the whole molecular structure, everything change and, you re- and they go, you realize what you've been holding on to. We get so used to it, you forget you're hanging on to it so tight until you let go of it and you get these massive releases. And you go right now, how do you want to think and feel about that person? You can now choose how you want to feel about your father, your brother, your ex, your colleague at work. How do you want to think you get to write the program not the program that you have just assumed from your old beliefs.
0: Nice. Now you mentioned the phrase freedom activation a number of times. I feel like that's what we've just been describing. Is that the case or is there? a oh, it, Yes, Okay, absolutely.
1: And I tripped across this in my own journey and it was alongside uh, my wife, Gabrielle, who had, uh, who was diagnosed with advanced ovarian cancer in late 2014. And we, we looked at the stats and you know, they're not, they weren't great. And uh, you know, medicine's medicine. And I was always of the view that you can find something else to support you, either emotionally, nutritionally, whatever. There's other things to go alongside. Let's create a package that you know to help with what was going to be very challenging for us and our our two young children together, and I have two, two previous children from a previous marriage. And and what I thought was, I was on I was on the journey to heal her and save her, which I was. But on the way, what I actually really found was, as we all are, you're on your own journey to to heal yourself, and it very quickly brought up stuff for me that I realized that if I was going to be effective as a, as a, well, to first of all, as a husband, as a father, but also just as me as a person, there were things showing up that were feeling very unnatural, not, not good energy. It's like, what are those? Um, so I went on looking for other stuff, found some amazing holistic doctors and eventually on the way met this amazing Danish guy called Per Schutz, who was the developer of what was called freedom tools back in the late eighties. luckily got to work with him. I was going to train with him. I trained with another mentor of his, uh, he passed away in late 2018. He had a, a knock to his head. We were due to meet the following month. So one of those things, but this was a man who I met, who, who had no judgment, Jerry. And that's what I love. That what I love about freedom activation, this man would let me say anything you could, you could unload and he would just sit there, hold him, this amazing space. As we know that phrase, just let you get it all out help you release the connections when we say, you know, not to the person, but the energetic attachment is what you're cutting to. And once you've done that right now, how do you want to reframe it? How do you want to think and feel about that person? And it's, it's so simple, simplistic, but it's so powerful. I mean, the, the, the reactions I see from people when they, they get a chance to be heard, to say all of this stuff about somebody um, that you've never done before in one go, you know, yes, we know these people annoy us or, or anger us or cause us sadness, But when you make a list in one go, and it can be quite a list, you realize all the feelings you've got around that person. And here's the thing with that. It comes back to it's 100% you. They are just a reflection. You are only aware of those patterns because that pattern resides in you. Mm, It's a really uncomfortable moment, I can assure you. I did not like it. When these people I thought I was judging had resentment to, when I realized that that resentment lay in me, I, I did not like that. Nonetheless, that's where the freedom is. Yeah. When You can look inside and go, wow, it's just a belief pattern. It's just a thought process that's been with you for a long time. But you cannot think it away. The number of people go, look, I've done loads of work on my mom and dad for 20 years. You've done it up here in the head. You've not done it in the heart or the gut. You've not released the chemical feeling, which is how you first took it in. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to release it as a feeling.
0: Yeah. I, it resonates with uh, something I once heard somebody say was – all convers all conversations are with myself and sometimes i involve other people and you know we just mentioned earlier that you know our our memories only get a piece of the overall picture so we don't have the whole pie of truth we have a slice and then our minds fill in the rest of the pie and uh so that is very powerful to keep in mind is that you know whatever resentment we're holding on to that premeditated resentment uh, You know what is that story we've built in our heads is it working for us or not and and chances are if we're in a rut that story is not working for us (laughs) yeah and and to
1: come jerry to come back to in your word the rut is a great one you know we use sled hills but it is that rut that it's so deeply defined you actually cannot get the wheels out of it you can't climb out of it and it takes you in one direction only so to put numbers on this from dr joe and bruce lipton Um, You know, it's something like, I think Stanford is 20,000 thoughts a day. Dr. Joe and Bruce say 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. We repeat 95% of those every day. So Groundhog Day. Yeah. And we spend 80% of our time thinking about what we don't want. So 80% of the time you are choosing to be in the rut. 80% of our life and 70% of that you will be in stress. So straight away you can see we are operating so suboptimally, all based on beliefs that come from childhood.
0: Wow. And- do you think some of that is because we are telling ourselves what we don't want and our minds don't know the difference between what we don't want and what we do want and it just kind of fills it in?
1: Yeah, I think all of that and more, you know, it, it's we know what we don't want, but we don't actually know what we do want because we're so drawn to what we don't want that we're looking at it mm-hmm. and we, we draw it to us Yeah, because we have the attachment to it. So it is in our life and it's literally when you start going, and that's why in the phrase in the freedom activation statements, like it really doesn't matter. Can you let that go? You know the fact your dad never said he loved you. My mother never hugged me. You know, my my, they always talk over me. They put the phone down on me. All of these are very short behaviours that cause an impact to you. Do they really matter? And you go, yes. It's like, no. Do they really? Can you let that go and can you put something else in its place? And that's and that's the challenge. That's the work. Yeah. And the the ones that really go at it see phenomenal results. Some. I mean, I've had some that have happened overnight with a person. Admittedly, not a huge part of my life, but literally overnight, they showed up differently the next day. It's not them showing up differently. It's me showing up differently and it allows them to show up differently. I set the frequency on where I want to hold the conversation with anybody and everybody. That's it. You set the rate. You're in control of the radio station. You can be down here on shit FM, as we call it, <laughs> or you can be up here on joy FM and anything in between. You're the radio controller and you can go down to their level up to you. And it's 100% you are the cause and effect of the feelings in your life, period. Nice. Now, that's very freeing. Yeah. It's hard work because it's a 180. But once you know that, it's very freeing. And then how do I go about doing that?
0: Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned something to me before we hit record. And that was because, I mean, I had a couple of ruts in mind from your bio. uh, Mm. But then you were talking about just in the last week, you've been going through an exercise to identify other ruts that have been present, maybe for decades. Uh, Tell us a little bit about like, why is it important to really take a step back and explore? Well, I guess I feel like we've been talking about it, but maybe we haven't said it in these words. And these will be the words that resonate with somebody right now. Um, But why is it important to really take a look back at other ruts or areas where we may be stuck uh, because of that programming we've got, whether you feel like something's wrong or not?
1: Yeah. So, here, you know, so we're looking at a rut and again, because we're, we're so linear as beings, we like to explain stuff. We want. None of this is linear. This is multidimensional ruts. Yeah. Yeah. And they all overlap. So what occurred for me this week was, uh, you know, as I shared with you beforehand, so you know, Gavs, my wife, passed away three years ago tomorrow morning. Beautifully. A- amazing passing. And, you know, the, the lessons from that, incredible. And she and I went to a Dr. Joe retreat. We both saw the power of the mind at work that 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 connection just like we i had no idea it was out there um and i then went to two more retreats straight after she said you've got to go this is so powerful for you and the kids she already knew um so i went to those and and i've carried that work on and i see my 18 year old daughter and my son and some of their friends now they're watching they're listening they're absorbing you know i'm not a saint i never was i want to be very clear But I'm prepared to put my hand up and I say to them, you must challenge me. If I start going off on one, I've got a pattern going. Means I've dropped into something, means I've got stressed. And it'll be I'm worried about something, about something going wrong, someone feeling pain or me feeling pain. I can't see it. It's a blind spot for a reason. And when that shows up, you have to breathe. You will be breathing up here shallow. You have to like calm down, M's breathwork, other breath work, get into your system, just give yourself a pause and go, right, wow, what just bloody happened? And can I see where that came from? Can I track it back? Who was it? Was it a man? Was it a woman? Was it a combination? Was it, you know, for me, someone driving is a very easy one to get me going. You know, I'm waiting for the trigger. I'm waiting to have that explosion. My body needs the chemical release of having a very quick judgment. So an easy way for that is the way someone's driving. Someone else it can be something different. Um, so, so the work is always, is awareness, awareness, noticing, and, and being compassionate with yourself, giving yourself a little bit of time to go, it doesn't matter. You know, some stuff you need to react to very quickly for survival. You know, you don't walk out into a road and go, a car coming quickly. Let me think what that person's thinking. No, you step back. You instinctively, someone throws a ball at you on the baseball field, you instinctively hit it or catch it, yeah? Yeah. But that also gets in trouble because we can react that quickly with thinking to take us down old pathways, too, that we think are real. And that's when you've got to go, now, hold on a minute. Let me just look at that. Is that absolutely true? Is is that for my highest good and the other person's good? Can I let that go? Am I prepared to let that go? Hmm. No, that person did that to me. I want them to feel my pain and know my pain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's like the most common default for a lot of us, if not all of us. Yeah.
1: And again, it's just a learnt behaviour. No blame or judgement here. It's been passed on for generations. So what the work here is, is my reaction valid or do I need to respond? Am I reacting in the moment really quickly or can I pause a bit and can I respond and anywhere in between? And what you find, and I find the more I do this work, is I don't drop as deep and I come back really quickly to being back on the level again. I'm not prepared to let someone else, and I still use those words, Pull me down from my feeling of ease. No one else can do that except me. You know, Jerry, you and I can be having a really happy thought, happy chat. And then suddenly a half an hour later, you're, you know, we're down here. It's like, what the hell was that? Who did we let into our awareness to pull us down? And and that's it. So as soon as you feel you're not at a a, you know zero to ten, five or higher, five being ease, ten being joy, if you're not at five or above, what is it you are allowing into your awareness that's pulling you back down? Is it real? Does it matter? Are you prepared to do something about it? And that's the big one. Are you prepared to do something about it?
0: Yeah, because a lot of people are not. Uh, that's and the, and it's, yeah. it's
1: challenging, but here's the thing. It is so bloody worth it. it. You know, this is not a pill overnight, okay? You can have some big releases on, on, on some of them, for sure. But we call it latent gains. We see three to four months, sometimes even a year down the road. We had someone call us and goes, oh, my God, I just saw it. It's not my mother. It's me. And fundamentally, she's completely let go of all the attachments, resentments, judgments around her mother. And her life has changed. The mother has now shown up differently. The ex wife of the other part, she's disappeared out of the scene, all because her energetic attachment to the arena has changed. Wow. It was all in her control. Nothing to do with anybody else. They are just players in your play.
0: Mm, man, powerful. Love it. Uh, so now the, um, the Freedom Project 222.com website and then the whole platform that you, Scott yeah. and M, have put together. Uh, who's the ideal person to get a lot of impact out of that? Like who is it you're trying to reach? Why should they go to the Freedom Project 222.com?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And one that we keep looking at and we keep upscaling. Who is it we can reach? If you're on the website, fundamentally, it means you've got a curiosity. Fundamentally, it means there's something not quite right. You've spotted a glitch in the matrix to use the phrase. What do I do about this now? And then it's a question of who do you resonate with? You, you know, you need, and the fact there's three of us, and the reason we did it was because we went to, I mean, emma and Scott have been to 25, 30 Dr. Joe events between them. I've done five. And just seeing the power of, of finding a new formula, of understanding how we work, but then having to bring it back from high energy, you know, like a baseball match or a concert, you then got to go back to real life. How do I now integrate that into 3D, into reality, so that I can not be having such huge bumps you know the ruts start to fill in or i can take a different journey so for each person it is a unique individual journey you are a unique person but you are part of a whole and it's literally like the future market how are you interacting with the information around you how familiar does it feel are you prepared to create some distance from that information from your spouse your kids your parents All of that again, no blame judgment, but you cannot change, become a new person with the same belief patterns and same stories. That's the fundamental one. Now that that's a hard decision to make. Are you prepared to put yourself first? And it's, we we do the yellow oxygen mask on the plane. You're told to put your mask on first before you help others. The natural feeling, women especially is that beautiful beings want to help other people. Great. You can help two or three, but then you're dead. You're out of energy. You've got to selflessly put yours on first, knowing you can then help everybody. And we're not actually taught to do that really in society. We're taught to put others first as a, as a thought to be challenged or not. So you have to go, am I prepared to start putting myself first? What is going wrong? And we'll all find that in different ways. The way I found it, you'll find it through either by you literally, you hit a wall, you know, at high speed, there is something physically, you know, whatever. There'll be various bumps along the way that you can no longer avoid. Then you have to change. And the point is, like with my kids now, is why wait till then? Why not learn this stuff on the way through? But, but let's go with someone like ourselves who is on the site. They might have done some work. They might have seen some Deepak Chopra. They, you know, they might have seen Tony Robbins. They might, might have seen anything or just heard heard about meditation. And when I thought meditation was bunkum, you know, some bloke sitting cross-legged in the in the, Tibet, in the Himalayas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how does that help me? I had no understanding what meditation meant and how – unbelievably powerful it is so again we need to learn the vocab we need to see simple examples and you know scott tells great stories and stories are a great way of people to hooking into life experiences can i relate to that can i see what he's gone through can i see myself doing that and you start and there's lots of great free stuff on our on our sites on our youtube channel there's great stuff on youtube there is so much info out there just keep looking reading watching absorbing and you will find something that clicks that helps you. And what we realized is that we needed to build a community because it's lonely doing this work. It's challenging. You need that energetic safety net to help you stay accountable because otherwise it's too easy to drop back into the rut. That rut is there. It takes time to fill in. So you need people to help you stay out of it, to, you know, to pick the phone up or to, you know, I still call Emma and Scott. They call me. I've got the people I said that I can call to when I can't see my own stuff because I'm too deep in it. And they can go, site, it's just a story. And it's like, okay, but it feels ah. real, guys. This is really real. <laughs> it's like, ah! And they're like, okay. And they just talk you off the ledge. Yes. They don't come down to me. They stay up here, and that's what matters. So, you know, again, go on there. There's lots of, you know, breath work. Oh my God, it's so powerful. I mean, that's just fundamentally transformed my whole whole body, you know, through, through, through M stuff, Dr. Joe's, Wim Hof, Soma. You know, I, I didn't have my breath for nearly five minutes with no air in my lungs. It's like, how does that happen? How can we? You know, we do not understand the power of the body and the mind. Yeah, and it's and it's getting in touch with all of that and going, okay, what is it? I am seeing. Am I? Who is it that's pissing me off? Is it work, colleagues? <laughs> is, it work? is it work? Is it my husband? Is it my children? Is it my best friend? Who? Just make a little list of who it is that you spend time chewing over each day, and then just sit with that for a bit, and then just go, wait a minute. If I change my thoughts about all of those people, would life be different? like the futures market, if I could change all of those patterns. So to, are those really true? Can I let go of those or am I addicted to the resentment? Am I addicted to the feeling of power I get when I feel angry? You know, anger is great if you use it in a healthy way. Then um, you get sadness and overwhelm. So all of those are made, I know we're on time here, but all of those amazing feelings, you feel them chemically in your body. That's why we think they are real. You actually, this human body is incredible. You feel it, therefore it must be real. But at any one moment, you can change your awareness torch. And as adults, we only use 12% of our awareness. How about that? And we shine it where we want to see it. If we want to be stressed, we'll shine it there. So you have control where to direct your awareness to get those feelings. And understanding that you are only addicted to a pattern, and you can change that pattern. And it's practice, like learning anything to ride a bike. You have to practice. This is practice. And we have to, ex- we have to accept that it will take some willpower and some commitment for sure. But on the end of that is freedom. You get to dictate your life. Nice. How you want to sh- How you want to show up in it?
0: Yeah, that is the best spot for us to end this conversation, uh, Simon. So great to have you on. Uh, we definitely need to get Emma on here, and then we'll round out the uh, the Freedom Project uh, series. We'll we'll have a series, three part yeah. series. That will be awesome. Brilliant. Yep.
1: Thank you so much. And um, hey, look, guys, anyone listening, it's worth it. Just just go look. Just start looking.
0: Now, if you found value in what Simon and I talked about in this episode, hit the share button on whatever app you're using, whatever computer device you're on, and share this episode with somebody you know whom you feel would also benefit. Maybe that's your social media network, maybe it's somebody specifically you are thinking about while you were listening to the show. Thank you so much for listening. You can also find more information like how to get in touch with the Freedom Project 222 folks, uh, Simon Harris and so on, and even listen to the past episode we did with Scott Sunderland, one of the founders of Freedom Project 222, uh, where we talked about him going through paralysis and recovering from it and just changing his way of life. Uh, So those show notes are at beyondtherut.com slash 302. There you go. That's where you'll find the show notes for this episode. Now, if you're looking to um, rewrite your life, you want to see where you are today, identify your values and uh, the guardrails for your life to live the life you would find meaning in living, then check out Measure It to Make It. It's a tool that we have here at Beyond the Rut that'll help you identify those very things. You know, where are you now? What do you believe in? What do you value? And then where do you want to go in life? And then you jot it all on paper, make it clear on tablets, as they say in the Bible, if you want to make it all biblical. Uh, get that tool. It's free. You just go to beyondtherut.com slash goals. Uh, you'll have the option to download that copy. You can also sign up for the e-newsletter. Uh, there is an option there, so you can do it or not. Uh, if you just want the document, that's great, too. I'm okay with that. Uh, So there you have it. You've got the show notes for this episode. You can get to the previous interview we did with uh, Scott Sunderland. You can also get this free download, Measure It to Make It. Uh, Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care.